Good morning, church family. It's great to be with you. And thank you, Pastor Zamora, for this opportunity. If you have your notes or your Bibles, take the, your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5 this morning. My wife is with me. In just two weeks, we'll celebrate 35 years of marriage. So it's exciting. We can... Uh, we can we have a trip planned away, and we're, we're looking forward to getting away and spending some time together. And uh, we have three grown children, married, and eight grandchildren. So we know just a little bit about the inner workings of a family. So I'd like to keep with that theme this morning and try to encourage you on the topic of family. Um, the, Bible, the Bible tells us this, that we're to be kindly affection one toward another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. And so this morning, we're going to talk about some ingredients that are necessary in a family. And we're going to take all those ingredients, we're going to put them all together, and I trust at the end of the message that we'll do some examination to see if these ingredients are part of our family. And uh, if they're not, Maybe these are some areas that we can work on improving this coming week. And so when I talk about family, I really talk about it in three different aspects. I, I refer to family as certainly that husband and wife relationship, but that doesn't always apply to everyone. Or I refer to family as the parent-child relationship. And many of us, we have children. We can understand that relationship. And then certainly in a broader context, there's the brother-sister-Christ relationship that happens within the church family. And that would apply to all of us this morning. So this, me this morning's message certainly is applicable to every single person in this context. And so we use this term family. You have a handout there. We're going to take uh, the word family, break it down. Trust that maybe you can even share this uh, message sometime this week in your work relationships, uh, your family relationships, and it can be a help and encouragement to you. But I think that when we look at modeling um, uh, relationships, one of the greatest things you can do for your children and your grandchildren is to model a great marriage. And so uh, let's look at that this morning, and I trust that this can be a help to all of us as we examine this topic of family. Our text verse is taken from the book of Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 21. It's a great chapter about family. I'm just going to look at this one verse this morning. It says this, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so with that, we're going to jump into how we can have a healthy, happy home. Have you ever noticed the family unit has been under attack? My word, what is going on in the mainstream media? What is taking place in, in the social media war, uh, 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 arena? Uh, there is a war going on against the family. The devil wants to destroy that husband-wife relationship. The devil wants to destroy family relationships within the church. The devil wants to destroy that parent-child relationship. So let's look at the letter F how we can have a healthy relationship. And I'm going to catch you off guard right with my first point, and that is, is that we must have fun and fellowship as two ingredients in our family. There must be some fun and fellowship. Healthy families make fun. Healthy families make fun. I'm not saying that, that mom needs to be a stand-up comic or dad needs to hide behind the door with some type of rubber nose on his face and jump out at the kids and scream. That's not what I'm referring to. But do you know that laughter should be a natural element in your family? 
God wired us to laugh. God wired us. It's the world who perverts that. But God has uh, the one who has wired us and designed us to be able to laugh and to be able to have fun. I think we ought to have fun in church. In fact, I just read your bulletin. I think that I'm disappointed that I got to come on the wrong Sunday. Does your bullet say next Sunday you're going to have some type of special family? Uh, You've got some events coming up where it's going to be fun for the family. Um, We should have fun in church. And I think specifically as Christians, we ought to model fun to the world. We ought to be the one showing the world what fun is all about. However, if you're visiting today, thank you for visiting. And come back again when you can meet the pastor of this church. But I think a lot of times that when we think of Christians and maybe we don't have a church relationship, we think being a Christian is boring. Um, We stereotype Christians, that they're the ones who wear the shiny black shoes uh, with black pants and white socks and grease back hair. And uh, I mean, we have have a a wrong perception of what a Christian is. Um, uh, No offense to those who who may still dress that way. But I'm just saying uh, uh, that, that we should be able to model fun to the world. Jesus taught us a lesson in John chapter 10. He says this, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. My friend, real life, eternal life, it's good to have fun. It's good to laugh. The Bible says this, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Um, I wonder when's the last time you had a good hearty laugh. When's the last time you had fun? So let me repeat this. Healthy families make fun. Uh, More important word than fun is that they make fun. Uh, I know that in my marriage relationship, the most romantic thing that I could give to my wife is that word time. Uh, I think the same is true of you. Time is romantic. It it really doesn't matter uh, all that much what we do as long as we're able to invest in that relationship. Listen, we have our jobs, our careers. We have our hobbies. But if we're going to have strong families, we've got to spend time with those that we love. And we have to make a determination that I'm going to invest that time do you, here's what happens in, our fa- in a lot of our families. It goes something like this. We're driving down the road, and, and uh, uh, hey, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. You decide. Uh, whatever you want to do, I don't care. Uh, well, let's decide over dinner. Okay, where, where, where would you like to go to dinner? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Uh, I, I, I don't care. You decide, the wife says. Now, guys, that's honestly where we mess up. When she says, I don't care, we actually believe them. Well, where do you want to go to to dinner? I I don't care, she says. Okay, well, let's just stop at McDonald's and we grab something quick. McDonald's? I want to go to Chick-fil-A. But no, wherever you want to go, I don't care. She rolls her eyes. Um... Spending time together should be romantic. Spending time with our children should be an investment. We should make fun in our uh, uh, families. We, uh, there's, too many, there's too many parents that try to buy their children's love. You cannot buy love. You must spend time with your family. Spend time with your teenagers. Let me give you just a couple ideas of some ways you can do, you can do and apply this first point. First of all, we've got to slow down. This is... 
This is a lost art. Art that we live in the rat race of life and, and, and it's, it's actually controlling us instead of us controlling it. But we need to slow down. Slow down your life. Spend some time with your family. Schedule some fun time. Schedule some play time, if I could put it that way. If you're married, schedule a date night. You say, I'm already married. No, schedule a date night where you can go out and set aside all of the busyness of the world. Schedule a time where you can go out and spend time with your children. Uh, maybe be thinking, is there a fun way to do this activity? Make fun. Uh, how about do the unexpected? Do something that's unexpected. Uh, I, I said this recently to someone, um, and uh, a couple said, hey, we've been married 50 years. We don't date each other anymore. I said, well, that's a shame. You should um, uh, do something unexpected. Uh, uh, I don't know. Go to a restaurant and, and sit on the same side of the booth. Um, turn out the light. Bring a candle and uh, light it. I don't know. Uh, do something that's unexpected. We are so boring that we don't make fun and we wonder why our children reject us and don't want to uh, be around us. Plan some surprises. Uh, what I'm saying is that in a family, there should be fun and fellowship. Fellowship is making that fun. Quickly, as our time uh, clock is moving, we go to the letter A. In the letter A, we must, we must give attention and we must have a right attitude. We must give attention and we must have the right attitude. Healthy families give attention with a great attitude. Give attention to one another. Invest uh, in your family. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. May I just challenge us, whether we're talking about the husband, wife, the parent, child, or the church relationship, may I challenge all of us, be interested, give attention in the lives of other people. Uh, you know, don't be the dad that always is control, controlling the remote. And the only time you give attention to someone's when the remote's not in your hand. I, I, I'm just saying that a lot of times uh, we struggle in this area of giving attention and time to those that we say that we love. Think about the words of Jesus. He said this, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon himself the form of a servant. It's still okay to serve your family, to love your family. And Jesus modeled this. Again, I am reminded of what Romans 12 and verse 10 says, be kindly affection one toward another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. How do I give this attention? How do I give this time? Find, find some time to unwind in your family. I know that when I don't have time to unwind before I get home, maybe I'm bringing the stresses of being a pastor into the home, and, and, and I have to be careful of that. Uh, uh, set aside those stresses of work and career and don't bring those into the home. Um, I, I think this is one that's going to get all of us in trouble a little bit because we're so guilty of it. But may I say, make it a rule to allow someone in your life to finish their thoughts. Uh, make it a rule in your life to allow them to finish their ideas and to finish their sentence without cutting them off and giving your opinion before you've even heard the whole matter. Uh, listening is more than just waiting your turn to talk. And so often we, we don't give attention. We don't give that time. Uh, 
We don't have a great attitude to the very ones that we say we love. Um, good listening allows others that you value to finish their thoughts. Try to understand the world of a teenager. Oh, it's different today than when my children were teenagers. And, and, and we say, uh, uh, hey, they just broke up in the relationship. Oh, it's just a bunch of puppy love. May I just say it's real to the puppy. And a lot of times we devalue those in our life by being flippant in our attitude. Let's give attention to those that we say we love with a healthy attitude. Uh, understanding they're walking through life, they're going through life, and it's, it's, uh, it's often difficult. I was at a basketball game uh, uh, a couple years ago uh, before COVID, and uh, uh, there was this high school girl from the church. She was running up the steps uh, uh, to where we were see seated. She was waving at, as she waved to us. She tripped and she fell on the steps. Oh, she got up there and she put her, uh, her head uh, into her hands and she was shaking her head and she was saying, everybody saw me. That was her imaginary audience, but everybody saw me. And I was thinking to myself, well, nobody saw you and, and probably they didn't even care. But in her world, she tripped and she embarrassed herself and it was a big deal. A lot of times we need to give the right attention with the right attitude to those that we love. Quickly, the letter M. I like this one. I, I, we try to do this. Memories, marriage. We need to make wholesome memories in our marriage, wholesome memories in our family. Um, uh, on purpose, healthy families, they capture memories. In this day and age of, of smartphones, we can capture memories in video and, and in pictures. And, and uh, the Bible even tells us that we're to remember 160 times in the Bible. Uh, remember these things. Deuteronomy chapter 4 says this, Only take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. In other words, we are to remember the things that God has done for us. Remember uh, uh, those, uh, that, that day when you were saved. Remember that day when you were baptized. Remember that day when you were married. Remember that day when the first child was born and the second child was born. Oh, we don't, by the time third and fourth, we don't remember those. But anyway, by the, we're to remember. We should remember and we should, and, and we should create those memories. Um, why do we take the Lord's Supper? To remember. To remember what Jesus has done for us. Uh, we are to make good memories in, in, in our family. And a parent can capture those memories. A church family captures those memories. And so create anniversaries. Uh, just like you have a wedding anniversary or a birthday, uh, celebrate uh, decisions that you've made in your life. Celebrate the day you joined this church. Celebrate the, the day that you were married. Celebrate uh, the birth of your children. Celebrate uh, the day that you moved into your new home. We should create memories. I'm often concerned when I walk into a home and visit a home and I never see pictures of the family. What are we teaching our children and our grandchildren? 
Um, we have eight grandchildren, and so oftentimes uh, 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 some of the grandchildren are over. Uh, three of them live in Tucson. Two of them live here in Phoenix and, and three in Texas. And my wife had this great idea uh, a, a, a couple weeks ago. She said she was going to have Grammy camp, and she invited all eight grandchildren, six and under, to come and spend 10 days. And my wife has been struggling ever since. She's so tired she can't see straight. Uh, 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 I asked her if we're going to do this again next year, and she said, no way. Uh, <laughs> but she took pictures and videos, and she sent them to the children, and she made all kinds of memories that she'll be able to share with those grandkids for many years. Hang on to those photos. Don't be afraid uh, to share those and laugh about those. And may I just say, uh, get those vacation pictures enlarged, put them on the wall. When our three little uh, grandbabies come in, uh, uh, they, we have this m big picture, all of our children and their, and their spouses. And our children, our little uh, one-year-old, 18-month-old, they'll point out there, mommy, daddy, papa, gamey, and they, and they go, they, they know where that picture is. Every time they come in, they point to those pictures. Make memories in your family. Make your marriage strong. May I encourage you a way that you make memories? Write some letters to your children and your grandchildren. It's a lost art. Write letters. If, you, if there's somebody that you care about, don't send them a text. Write them a note. Write them a letter, and it'll create a memory. Quickly, the letter I we need to inspire. We need to inspire. And if we're going to inspire, that means we have to initiate. Uh, healthy families verbally inspire. And we inspire through this word called encouragement. Encouragement. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, edify one another. It means to build up one another, even as also ye do. We're to edify. That's what encouragement does. Another way, another word for edify is to build up, to fortify, to make strong. And I can't think of anything that I want for my children and my grandchildren and my wife, and that, but to build them up and make them strong. There's a lot of people having a tough time today. There's people that are sick of the whole COVID mess. There's people that are struggling in their job. There's people that are struggling in their marriage. There's people that are struggling with their teenagers. There's a lot of people struggling. We as a church should be the one encouraging others, helping them through uh, the, the, this, this thing called life. We shouldn't be running from it. People should be looking at us and saying, why are we so different? Because we encourage and we, we initiate that encourage. We inspire other people. There's a lot of people going through different, different trials, but we as a church can inspire as we initiate encouragement. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 12. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Uh, what Jesus is saying is that, uh, that the words that come out of your mouth are a reflection of what's happening in your heart and in your life. And if, there, if God's doing something good in your life, then it ought to be coming out your mouth in the, in the form of encouragement to others. Um, if, if I could just say this, people are dying for encouragement. And you 
We, as Christians, we can make a difference. Initiate praise. Uh, we hold on to encouragement uh, like it's something really expensive. May I just tell you, it's not expensive. It's free. And we all have the ability to do that. Um, I've never met a single person in all of my 26 years of pastoring, I've never met a single person that said, oh, pastor, please stop encouraging me. I've had it up to here with your encouragement. I can't take it anymore. Please, no more notes, pastor. On the contrary, I'll say, hey, listen, I, I, I wrote 30 notes today, and then some lady after church said, I didn't get one of those notes. People are dying for encouragement, and we can initiate. How do we, find, how do we encourage? Find some, someone doing something right. Reinforce that. Tell them thank you for that. Thank you for, thank you for those who work in the nursery today. Thank you for those who, who work in the sound booth today. Thank you for those who encourage through singing and praise. And thank you for those who are serving in security. Find someone doing something right and encourage them. Yay, your children accidentally made up their bed today. Encourage them, praise them, reinforce that positive behavior. Um, weigh your words carefully. In the book of James, the Bible tells us that the tongue is just a little, little small, small part of our body, but it's like a fire. We can either hurt with those words or we can build up with those words. I want to challenge you to use those words to inspire, to encourage. Someone in your life needs encouragement today. A wonderful story was told about a young lady back in 1980. She lived on a farm, and she grew up in a farm, and, and, uh, and this was when a time period when the milkman actually came, and he would deliver milk at their front door. Oh, this little girl, she would, couldn't wait to see the milkman bring those glass bottles of milk, and uh, he would rub the top of her head and said, Hey, how's my Miss America doing today? And, uh, and then next week, he'd come back and say the same thing. How's my little Miss America doing uh, uh, today? Well, in 1980, this young lady won Miss America. And in her ex acceptance speech, she even said, uh, uh, gave this story and gave credit uh, to the milkman. And, and she said, those words shaped my life. It, the, he was always so encouraging. How many of us are quick to criticize and slow to encourage. And oftentimes in our families, it's even exasperated. We're really quick to criticize in our families and very slow to compliment or encourage. There's power in your words. Well, we come to the letter L, and that is that, yes, we're to love, but we're to learn. We're to learn. We're to love and we're to learn. Healthy families, they love without condition. Now, I'm not a very good counselor. Uh, I, I do a lot of it, but I'm not very good at it. Because I, I know that counselors are supposed to say things like this. Now, what I hear you saying, how does that make you feel? I, 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 I'm the counselor. I say this. I, I hear what they say. And I say, well, that's a dumb idea. Uh, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, I, I'm really directing my counseling. You, I, you come the first time, I hear your problems, I give you what you should do. We come back the second time, and by the third time, if you haven't done that, I'm done. All right? Uh, 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 most of the root of problems are like this, is that, we're, we, is that we don't ever get 
to the root of the problem. We don't ever learn what is really going on in someone else's life. Um, and here's what happens. We have children who will say this, my parents love me when I do good things. My parents love me if I get good grades. And what we're doing is we are, we are sharing with our children conditional love when God says we're to have unconditional love. Contractual love says this, you fulfill your end of the agreement and then I'll reward you. Contractual love is a lot easier than unconditional love. Uh, may I just say parents and grandparents and, and, and those who are involved in the church, we should not have contractual love, we should have unconditional love. Contractual love is just simply not biblical. Jesus gave us the model for this. He said this, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. May I just stop? What a beautiful sound. You don't want to go to your cars right now, so I just keep on preaching, all right? So, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a, that, we don't have this sound very often for us who live in Arizona, so this is, this is a great sound. Uh, Jesus said, uh, said uh, talked about how, how that we're to, to love, and he modeled this in his life, and there were some rough people that he came across. We could have some rough situations in our life, but may I just tell you, we should not have contractual, conditional love. We should practice unconditional love um, that just says, the way I speak to others, that I love you. We love with our words. Certainly we do that. Um, uh, our wives or our spouses need to hear us say, I love you. Uh, I, saying I love you is saying that you belong. Uh, we love with our actions. Um, uh, it, and that's way more than just a feeling. We love by how we give to others. Well, my time is escaping here. So let's get to that last ingredient. And that is the letter Y. And that is, is that we must yield and we use the word you. We must yield. If we're going to have a healthy, strong family, we have to yield. In other words, we have to get rid of some of our selfishness and some of our desires. Healthy families will yield to God. I looked up that word yield. It means to surrender. Healthy families will surrender their de desires. It means to relinquish. It means to submit or to give forth. I kind of dismissed this at first when studying this. Um, I, I, I thought when you do yield your family to God, you do give it to God, you can relax because God loves your family more than you could ever love your family. I, uh, but really, the work begins when I yield because it's not about me anymore. It's about you. And a lot of times we get this all mixed up. We have a me-centered relationship. It's what I want rather than what you want. You must yield you if you're going to have a healthy relationship. There's an interesting passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The job of spiritual input is the parent's job at the dinner table and in the car 
And it's the job when you go to church. It's the job when they have friends over. It's never over for the parent. But even in the husband-wife relationship, it's I must yield my desires uh, in the church. I must yield what my ego is. I've got to yield me so the church can be healthy. I wonder today if you can do what Joshua encouraged the nation of Israel to do in Joshua chapter 24. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. In other words, it's going to be the gods of this world or it's going to be the God of the world. And Joshua said, as for me and my family, we're just going to serve the Lord. I want to encourage you to make that decision today to have a healthy family to serve the Lord. As I finish my message with just a few moments here, Uh, During COVID, we all know there was all kinds of different lockdowns and there were different things and uh, that happened with churches and and uh, and it it took it took its toll on a lot of churches across the country and a lot of families that were separated from each other. Even in our own family, uh, there was that time period when we weren't able to see to see each other like we once did. And, and so my wife had this opportunity to take a cooking class online. Never done anything like that. She loves to cook. And so um, uh, she got an email with all the, the, uh, uh, the ingredients that were going to be when she passed. And so she was so excited. And, and so everybody was going to be on something called Zoom, a new word that we learned during COVID. And so she was going to be on a Zoom call. She had her iPad out. She had all of her ingredients. And she was like, hey, do I look okay? Uh, I mean, because she was going to be with, all, with this special instructor and all these other people. And so there were all of these people on the screen. And she began to make these special kind of biscuits and, and the instructor walked them all the way through. Oh, my wife was so proud of herself. I was in the background watching her and she was giddy with excitement about this cooking class. Never done anything like this. And her biscuits turned out amazing. They were flaky. And, and then there's this guy on the phone who goes, mine don't look like that. <laughs> Something didn't happen right. And the instructor was going through, and and here he didn't understand teaspoon and tablespoon. It makes a really, really big difference in whether the biscuits turn out. My wife was so proud of her biscuits, they turned out she put all of the time and the energy, she put all the preparation in ahead of time and had everything laid out. And right when the instructor said, put it, put it here, mix it for this time, bake it for this time. And my wife did all of that. And 30 minutes later, she had these amazing biscuits. We put butter and jelly or apple butter on them and they just melted in your mouth. The other guy, he had bricks. Hockey pucks, they didn't turn out. I, I share that, it's funny, uh, and, and, my, and my wife loved doing that, but the same thing is true of our families. We all have ingredients that are necessary if we're gonna have a healthy, happy family. And when we choose to use a tablespoon when it says to use a teaspoon, Or we choose to say, you know what, I don't really need that ingredient. I'll just take that one out. You know that yield stuff he talked about? I'm not doing that. Guess what? We will not have a healthy, happy home. 
We need all of these ingredients. Twelve ingredients I've given to you. We need all of these ingredients if we're going to have that family. Now that means that we could have a strong husband-wife relationship if that's all we have. We don't have children. Our children are grown. They're gone. They're moved. We can have a healthy husband-wife relationship if we have these ingredients. We can have a strong parent-child relationship if we have these ingredients. But church family, there's single moms, there's people that's never been married. And so we have a church family that are brothers and sisters in Christ. We can have a healthy church if we have these 12 ingredients. So in other words, all of these ingredients are needed for us to have relationships. How's your relationship? Is there somebody in here today that, oh, just rubs you the wrong way? In fact, they're coming, they're coming in the second service, and you're hoping you can get out of here quickly so that you don't even have to see them. <laughs> or there's somebody coming in the second service, and they, and they have a problem with you because there's a rub. That's not healthy. God's not pleased with that. Or maybe there's a rub in your own familial relationship. May I just ask you, God wants to do something great in your family today. You've been given the ingredients. What will you do? Will you mix them up correctly? Will you do what God has instructed you to do? Jesus has given us ample instruction that we're to love one another more than we love ourselves. The problem is we often love ourselves more than we love others.